There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. All right, folks, this is a special one because we are here live on a tour bus in the middle of bourbon country in Kentucky. And we're here in Nashville for Innovation 22. Shout out to Landry Fields from Kentucky for organizing this bourbon tour thing. Nova Insurance in the house. Nova Insurance. insurance. Imagine this, folks. Yeah, here you go. There's there's my friends and colleagues right here. 30, what is it, 28? 28 insurance people descended on bourbon country. And I think it's pretty safe to say we took over for about eight hours. Yeah. No, it was so funny. We're at the Maker's Mark Distillery. And the lady was talking to the group, and she's like, well, and when you get back to your boss and, and talk to them, and literally the entire room, like 12 people at the same time, erupts with a statement of, we are the boss. <laughs> As in every person in the room is an equity partner in a retail insurance agency, or in Davey's case, and some other people, thank you openly, thank you IPFS, uh, thank you Better Agency uh, for sponsoring this little shindig. Quite, quite an experience. So yeah, definitely... Uh, don't miss it the next time you have the opportunity to come to Innovation and whatever the other optional festivities are. Okay, so this is a fun episode because I have the privilege of talking with Mr. Davey Holt, who is the national sales leader for IPFS, Imperial Premium Financing Services, commonly known simply as IPFS in the marketplace. My friend and colleague, uh, Davey's friend and colleague, Mr. David Carruthers, has made quite a show of... Uh, a little bit of gamesmanship, you know, playing up the the rivalry between IPFS, which is hands down the dominant market presence uh, in in their verticals. Uh, IPFS is the eight hundred pound gorilla, no doubt. My preferred vendor is Ascend, and there's been a lot of friendly smack talk back and forth. Uh, the reality is. I mean, let's be real here, folks. Competition is really good for the marketplace. Having multiple companies that operate at a really high level and are consistently trying to innovate and beat each other, that's just good for the consumer. It's good for the independent channel. And I could not pass up the opportunity, since Davey was kind enough to sponsor this little event, uh, to put some effort together and bring my mobile podcasting studio onto the bus an interview, uh, and really more, more than just interview, just have a, a conversation with Davey about the state of the industry and get his take on things as a longtime industry you know, veteran, uh, uh, an expert in a very important vertical. 
and just have a, a chat about the state of, you know, accounting and, and how money moves around in the industry and, and give Davey the opportunity to talk about IPFS and what they're doing in the marketplace. As I don't ever want to be seen as a shill or biased in favor of any vendor, any vendor at all. Yes, I am a shareholder in a set. Yes, I'm on their advisory panel. That being said, I am ruthlessly pragmatic and I love our industry. I love the independent agency channel. So inviting Davey on makes a whole lot of sense because some of you may not have heard from him and he is, he's a stud. There's no doubt about it. So Davey, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank you, James, for that uh, very gracious intro. Uh, just to set the table, is this your first bus podcast? This is my first bus podcast. Okay. We've had a handful of live episodes that were recorded out in the field from this handy little Pelican from the case. Rig, from the yeah, rig. Yeah, from the rig that I was able to cobble together with bubble gum and duct tape yeah. and buying some stuff on Amazon. But this is my first ever mobile podcast recording so and, and i've seen i've seen you handle background noise we, we've got a a nice little murmur of background noise which is good now shout out to uh to sarah nicholas and her team at podsquad.fm we go uh, they do a fantastic job of producing and editing agency freedom podcast so good man uh i'd love for you to just start off for those of our audience that may not be familiar with davy holt yeah uh, who are you what are you up to how did you get to this point in your career let's just start there man yeah great thank you for that um my name is Davey Holt, uh, National Practice Sales Leader for IPFS, uh, based out of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, work for IPFS, uh, you know, 40, 40 plus year company. Everybody knows us as a premium finance company. We've certainly emerged into some other, you know, payments technologies in the last couple of years. I am, I'm an industry outsider. Uh, I have, I do not have a legacy in insurance. I don't have family in insurance uh, that I know of. Uh, about seven years ago, I got into the business through a referral. Uh, a good good buddy of mine that worked in IPFS uh, referred me. Um, I was in I was in a bunch of different industries. I was I was in industrial laundry. I was in building materials. Uh, had a little stint uh, right out of college. Owned my own business for a little bit, but um, you know, made the jump to IPFS. Took a, a few steps back in my career. Took a pure sales role. And I joke with people now, uh, I, I can't say no <laughs> to responsibilities at IPFS. I just uh, keep signing up for things, whether that's, you know, training, support, strategy, development, um, because uh, two things have been really good to me. One is the industry we're in. The insurance industry has been awesome. It's, uh, as Jason Cass says, it's the greatest industry God ever created. Amen. And... Um, and IPFS has been great to me, too. They've really uh, allowed me to come in as an outsider uh, and put my, um, you know, teach me the business of insurance, uh, allow me to meet people in this in this industry who are awesome, which are, there's just so many of those folks, um, and also put my own, you know, put my own spin on it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I came from, uh, why I'm here, and just like anybody who maybe comes from outside or, you know, I know a lot of people that have family that are in the industry that, you know, were reluctant at first to join the industry, but finally got in. And then they all agree uh, that, you know, with what I say here, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this industry. I'll, I'll, yep. I'll, I'll be in it uh, until I'm like our tour guard, tour guide today at uh, Heaven Hill, a retired insurance professional giving bourbon tours, talking about bourbon. Yeah. 
That's a that's a career goal, by I the mean, way. How that's about a career that? goal. To find out at the end of an hour and a half with somebody that he spent 35 years at Travelers and Hanover yep. as, as a company rep is like, wow. And now you're surrounded by, you know, 30 career insurance professionals yep. and vendors. I mean, good for him, man. Yeah. And you could see you could see the you could see the twinkle in his eye. You could see the spark. Oh, yeah. That, no, he uh, was into it for sure. And, and it, Herb, Herb, Herb down here at Heaven Hill Distillery, you, you could tell he uh, he certainly had a passion for his current job. But you could also see that that sparkle when he realized yeah. he was around his people yeah. to come back and rub elbows. It was a that was a cool. The cool look moment. in his eyes when he's talking shop again uh-huh. after having retired. Oh, that was not lost on me either. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm glad you caught that yeah. for sure. It's a very cool moment. Yeah. Now, very you cool know, moment. I, I gotta say, man, I got a lot of respect for the way you do business, the way you carry yourself. Literally everybody I know, when the name Davy Holt comes up, you are widely respected among uh, in- insurance professionals, regardless of, of whether someone uses IPFS as a vendor or not. Mm-hmm. They think very highly of Davey Holt. And I-, I think you've probably personally experienced the what I like to call the paradox of excellence. And the paradox of excellence, very simply, is when you become excellent at, at any one thing and you're in a business environment, it's, it's more so on the corporate side of things. You are a part of a much larger organization. Yeah. But when you become excellent at something, other things tend to get put on your plate because, you know, the the powers that be that run a, a corporation, a, a larger company, they recognize your quality. And the, the paradox of excellence is as you practice excellence, as you become more excellent, things get put on your plate and it becomes harder to remain excellent. Yeah, It becomes more difficult to sustain that over a long period of time because you become more trusted with more and more and more. And at a certain point, you have an inflection point where... You know, you've reached critical mass and, you know, the quality starts to suffer. I don't think you're at that point yet, but that's the paradox of excellence in my, in, in my perspective. And, you know, it seems like with training, with all the other things that have been put on your plate as a very accomplished sales professional, that, that seems to be uh, in progress with you. Yeah, I think it's um, I look at it, you know, my, my lens that I look at that concept hadn't heard that 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 phrase paradox of excellence but the way i look at it is is like product life cycle or entrepreneurship even right i mean think about you know the people that listen to this podcast that are agency owners when you start your agency you have to do so much outbound right selling hunting doing everything and what the goal is for a lot of agents uh, is to get to a point where that outbound effort turns to inbound right and yep. so, you, 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 I, you know, I think of it like you, you cross over the mountain, right? And so instead of being on offense, you become you start to put yourself on defense in terms of inbound leads and, and qualifying. You won't just write everything. You'll only write the things that matter. And, and, and uh, you know, that's with any business, right? A restaurant, an insurance agency, a hair salon. Yep. You know, you, you, you try to what you do early on is you try to get your name out there. You build your brand. And you show up and then hopefully you find that opportunity to cross over the mountain and you start to, to see things come come back at you. Now, to your point about, you know, maintaining quality on the backside, that, that's a challenge, too. I think of those as, uh, you know, the regular hills that, that that happen on the backside of the mountain. Right. You have to find that balance between, you know, maintaining reputation, maintaining excellence and, you uh, and also staying relevant. And, and, and you can't ever lose what got you there. 
you can't ever lose the hunger. You can't ever lose the drive. You just your your day to day processes might be different. No, it's it's really interesting the correlation for these different, you know, different ways of applying effort and whatnot. You know, my wife and I really enjoy watching uh, the show Survivor on CBS. I, I the social dynamic of that show I find just terribly fascinating. Yep. I've seen literally every episode of forty something seasons of Survivor. Yeah, I've, I've tried out. Uh, a couple of times, and I had the opportunity to go to an in-person, uh, you know, like candidate candidate thing. Cool. And one of the uh, one of the the people that are on that show, uh, his name was Tarzan. He's from an, an earlier season. If you watch the show, you certainly remember Tarzan. I got to talk with Tarzan for you know twenty or thirty minutes while I was waiting for one of these casting call things. And Tarzan said something that really stuck with me, and it, it applies to our industry. It applies to I think every industry. And what Tarzan said was, on the show, the moment you think you've made it, the moment you think you're safe is when you become in danger. That's right. The moment you let your guard down a little bit and you start to think, you know what? I'm pretty good. Yeah. I'm doing all right. That's when you are at your most vulnerable. Yeah, totally. I think anytime you let your guard down, you, you know, you look at that. That analogy with, uh, you know, fighting or boxing or anything. It's any anytime somebody's, you know, let their hands slip down, they can get caught. Uh, what I try, I've tried to do in my career personally is just try to remember where I came from. Uh, you know, I came from some blue collar industries um, and I just try to be very thankful of this professional uh, network oriented, uh, fun and intelligent industry we're in. Uh, because uh, the, the sense of community is the thing that I think is um, the most glaring thing when people say why insurance is, you know, we all know better than the other industries I've been in. Maybe not all of them, but we know better than some of the other industries that our individual actions impact others. Uh, because, uh, you know, we all have a reputation, uh, you know, we have an insurance reputation to maintain. Yeah. Um, and if we do wrong or salacious or, you know, bad or unethical things, even in a vacuum, those things spread to local communities. They become news headlines, things like that. So but I think the best part is, is that there are so many people that understand that. And in, a, in, an, in an indirect way, we lock arms and we understand, even though at the agent level that where there might be competition, uh, we're all trying to foster uh, good work. Yeah. You, you know, good and, and, and fair and ethical work uh, on behalf of the, the population that agents serve, which is the insurance. So I, I want to get some feedback from you on this because you've had success in multiple industries. You've operated at a very high level throughout your career. That's why you keep getting these opportunities to, to you know, move into to new things and try your hand at new, you know, New thing, so to speak. Yeah. What is it about insurance, property and casualty insurance? What What is it about the industry? And then secondarily to that, what is it about IPFS that attracted you? you know, you're the kind of guy who's got the work ethic, who's got the character, who's got the drive to be successful wherever you plant your flag. So what is it about insurance and then second IPFS that attracted you? I'll answer the first one easily. I had no expectations whatsoever on insurance. I... I I did not choose the job because the industry, the industry grew on me. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I was like most people that had an insurance agent 
maybe had a friend or two that had done some insurance producing at times. And honestly, my opinion, being an outsider in other industries and, and being just a, a consumer of basic levels of insurance, you know, investments, home, auto, whatever, uh, there was not a drive. It, it was not it, it was not necessarily captivating or boring, right? It was just, okay, this is an opportunity. Um, IPFS uh, for me was, was what got me uh, aware of and, and awake to the insurance industry. And so why I chose IPFS was, first of all, um, all of our best hires at IPFS are referral based. And I didn't realize that until I became a part of it. And so I was a referral from one of my uh, one of my best friends in the world, Jesse Farah, who's uh, a fraternity brother of mine. And I had actually been to a couple IPFS events before I worked there. So I actually had gotten exposure to the culture, the people, you know, the approach that we have uh, before I worked there. And so when the, you know, he knew that in the industry I was in before, I was unsatisfied with the work-life balance. It was a grind. He knew that when an opportunity came up at IPFS to call me, and even though it was a step back, I had been exposed a couple of times, and I was like, yeah, hey, I know, and, and this, is, this is really to answer the question of why IPFS. I knew the history of private ownership. I knew that there was a family that backed it. I knew that it was a well-supported organization in the town I happened to live in, Kansas City, Missouri. And I knew they had great training and, and support programs for new employees. And then I started meeting people in the interview process. And one of the first people that I talked to at IPFS was a 30-plus year veteran who happened to just be a salesperson in Kansas City. And he was in, in the corporate world, you know, you have these structured interview processes and first, second, third interview and hiring managers and things like that. Mike Keegan, who's been one of our industry strongholds in Kansas City for years, was not a hiring manager, but they wanted me to meet with him first so that he directly or indirectly approved. And I, I saw that moment. I saw that moment as a great sign of respect of how a company takes care of their people. Because they said, hey, look, Mike, we don't want you to make the decision, but we kind of want you to we, we kind of want to get your buy in. And uh, that that was before I even had a, a single interview. And and wow. so that was that was a way to say, well, hey, look, if I you know, if I look at the, the horizon here and the arc of what my career hopefully would be and I can establish a nice career, I would certainly want the company that is hiring my replacement to keep me involved in the process. And it's those little things, those little elements of finesse and touch and care that I think actually come from private ownership and family ownership, which makes our organization of 600 people not feel like an organization of 600 people. It still makes it feel like a small business, like a family business. So let's pivot for just a second here. Sure. And, or I should say, you know, in not just a second, but a few minutes and. <laughs> This organization of 600 people, why don't you unpack, for those who may not be familiar, yeah. what, what is IPFS? Where did the company get its start? Yep. And what are they up to now in the marketplace? It's a fascinating story. Um, a man named Tom Charbonneau left a larger premium finance company in the late 70s. And he left that larger premium finance company, which still exists today. It's AFCO Premium Finance, owned by Truist Bank. Um, he left that company because he said 
that at the time in the 70s, he wanted to start a premium finance company that focused on the rest of the insurance agency and not just the large alphabet houses. And he, he, he basically bet his entire career on that. He started, the, he started at the time, it was just called PFS, Premium Financing Specialist, at his kitchen table in, in, in basically Kansas City Metro. And he did that because he knew there was a large section of the insurance agency brokerage marketplace not being served at the time. Guess what? That's the industry we all live in today. The independent agent world, the small and middle market world. Love it. And uh, he actually, as the, as the company began to grow, he would always typically go to the second biggest city in the state, not the first, because the company he came from was in the New York. They were in the Dallas. They were in you know, the biggest city in the state. He would go to the second biggest city in the state because he knew there was no traction there. There, was no, there were no sales reps. There was no support. There wasn't any, any activity. So that's why he started it. And then the family ownership group that got involved in the 80s that owns us today fell in love with the business and then just went on an acquisition tear for the next 30 years. And every time a um, bank owned or wholesaler owned premium finance company or another finance company uh, wanted out, they would call us. And I mean us in terms of, at the time, PFS, because they knew we had such, by that point, um, the leadership group had established what we are today, which is when we acquire, we keep everything intact. We keep the people, we keep the programs, even at the cost of our own internal uh, issues, right? When you're an acquisition company, you have to absorb things and, and update processes. So, um, in well, and, and just let's pause for just yeah, a second ahead. and say how great that one point is. Yeah, because every single retail agent, yep. every single retail agent, if they're smart, they're thinking about what happens when I'm done. Yes, what happens when I don't want to play this game anymore? That's right. And I think it's it's almost a hundred percent. It certainly is for me. My very first consideration when I choose to start looking at what the exit might be is what's going to happen to my team. My people. These people that have hitched their wagon to mine and said, you know what, James, I'm going to trust you to help lead my career and give me the opportunities that are going to satisfy me and and give me a a good work life. Yep. So I can only imagine exactly the same is true for all of these smaller premium financing companies. Because, I mean, every executive, if they're worth anything at all, their first thought is to their team and their yeah, people. Absolutely. That's what leadership is. Yep. So I, I love hearing that. Yeah, please it, please it, continue. It was it was it's twofold, right? It's your people and your people. It's yeah. your people internally that work for you. And then it's your clients that have also become great connections, business partners, yep. friends, right? Yep. And if you know that a company like IPFS or PFS at the time was a safe landing spot for your people and your clients, the hesitation to potentially sell your business was not as great. Yeah. And frankly, it might have even helped on the on the acquisition price, too. Yeah. Right. Because you you, might get a little bit of a discount. You might get a little hometown discount. So um, that is what PFS did for 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 decades. And then in the AIG uh, fire sale downturn of 2009, PFS, this little engine in Kansas City, this family owned business that could. Through the fire sale of AIG, AIG had a premium finance company, and they sold AIG's premium finance company to PFS. And so we became, at that moment, 
because it was such a big acquisition, it was a merger of the names. We yeah. were PFS, Premium Financing Specialist. The AIG entity was called Imperial or AI Credit. We became in that moment Imperial PFS. So that's right. how we became this kind of, you know, at times our marketing team even does this too. This, this word that, frankly, I don't even always love, right? Imperial, right? Um, Imperial PFS at that moment. And I can understand why IPFS is your typical name in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. Experience you're, you're, has some negative connotations. Yeah. Or, I, I, Imperial, I should say. Yeah, just the word itself, right? Yeah, for sure. So, so you'll 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 hear me and you'll hear our team, uh, not necessarily correct people when they call us IPFS, but you'll hear us introduce ourselves as simply IPFS. Love it. Yeah. No, that that. So 2009. The Imperial uh, merger comes along. Yep. And props to you guys for that. Man. Yeah. I mean, every retail agent who's in an acquisition mode, like you have this certain profile of, of retail agents sure. you're looking to acquire. For those of us that might be a little bit more aggressive, I might be in that category. Yep. You're, you're thinking, what if I can get a big fish? Right. What if I can quote unquote acquire or right. merge with someone who's bigger than me? Yep. You know, find somebody who's on the, on, you know, Right for the picking for whatever reason. There's lots yeah, of yeah. different reasons. Absolutely. But acquire someone and merge with them, and they're bigger than you are. There's a lot of advantages. If you're able to, you know, it's like, you know, a, a two and 14 team knocking yeah. off the defending Super Bowl champions. That's right. It doesn't happen very often. Right. But, but it can be it, done. But, but when it does, it's any given Sunday. Pretty cool things can, can come along. Yeah. So talk about that. What, yeah, what's, I, I know I th that's before your time. No, it was before my time, but 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 the. the but the, what's the impact of yeah, that? The history and the culture uh, remain, uh, because the people remain. We still have all of those. You know, other than natural attrition, we basically have all those same people that still work for us. So, um, it's funny, right? Tom Charbonneau leaves in the '70s from a larger premium finance company to serve an underserved market, and then in 2009, when we buy AIG, AIG big name, big house, AIG. We basically buy into those large national relationships that our founder walked away from. Was trying to stay away from and <laughs> right. serve the little guy. Right. So, so what's 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 been awesome? You know, look, acquisitions are are challenges. Uh, there was another acquisition in the industry just recently. Um, so, acquisitions are challenges. But since two thousand nine, now here we are, twenty twenty two. That's given us the ability to blend our book and be diverse and be good in big shops and good in small shops and good in middle shops, yep. right? And, and yep. play a bunch of different ball games because the way you approach each entity in each category, right? If you look at it in terms of customer segments is a little different, but not always, right? Yeah. We, we, we joke, we have thousands of customers and that's exactly how many different types of approaches there are. Yeah, for uh, sure. So uh, yeah, it's um, that's been the, um, you know, the evolution of, of buying that entity. We also bought another entity at the time, SunTrust Bank owned Premium Assignment Corporation or PAC. Uh, we bought them, you know, pre-pandemic, rolled them in. There's been some other smaller scale acquisitions, one in Canada, which made us a North American company called Snap Premium Finance. We've rebranded to IPFS. Uh, so there's been some other acquisitions, but, you know, you, you learn. You, you learn good things and you learn bad things. You learn good things from that other organization that they were doing better than you. Uh, and you learn things. Then you benchmark. And you say, no, we bought this company. We were actually doing the right things here and there. Yeah. And we were able to, to pull somebody in and, and litmus test that. So it's been a fun ride. Um, it's been uh, it's been challenging at times because you're blending cultures, different cultures, different processes. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff I live for is, uh, you know, integrating people and processes and, and things into uh, a singular system. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recruiting, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. So let's pivot for just a second. And there there I go again talking about seconds when really it's minutes here. Let's be honest, folks. Yeah. You know, there's there's two main functions in any typical retail agency that IPFS serves. And you guys really are becoming a mainstay in both functions. You know, historically, you're a premium finance company. Yep. In recent years with the total pay product. Uh, and I don't know exactly how long it's been around, but a little while. Yep. Now, you are stepping into the payment portal space as yep. well, where you're competing directly with ePay policy, with yep. Simply Easier Payments, and, and other vendors that that exist solely on the payment portal side of things. Yep. So I, I'd love to hear your take on how, uh, how IPFS approaches this dual identity as yeah. both historically you're a premium financing company yep. and it, very recently you've taken on the portal thing as well those two things look very different in the marketplace yeah now how does ipfs philosophically how do you guys approach that from a product development from an innovation standpoint yep. um what's your perspective on that on wearing two hats at the same time yeah sometimes our biggest strength is also our biggest weakness our identity yeah right what people have known us for years and we we wrestled with that a lot at the senior leadership levels in terms of, um, you know, what our approach was going to be in terms of naming and branding and approach and marketplace and things like that. Do you go with the IPFS name? Do you go with a different name as you attack this payment space? And, I, you know, I, I'll say that um, this this buzz or this identity of dedicated payments insurance vendors is a very new concept to our industry. Right. Um Nobody focused on it. And I think the lesson there is what ePay Policy did, which was to say you had a really good idea that they had, which is to, to, to focus on a pretty narrow issue. You got some singing in the background. We got a little <laughs> bit of journey going on back That's there. That's okay. Yeah. I want to thank our bus for singing loudly during a podcast <laughs> recording. That's very courteous. At least you. it was a karaoke sing-along, I, I guess. I know, right? What is that? Eric Mateo back there? Texas is in the house. 
this is the this it, is what you get this when is you a lot a podcast yeah, yeah. live on a bus yeah okay i'm not apologizing for anything yeah no i think you know obviously the li- i hope the listeners can appreciate it yeah you know, I, I, f- I feel like it's an appropriate time to drop an anchorman quote and say you know I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> so carry on. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. So ePay Policy is doing this thing. Yeah, ePay Policy was one of the first to do it. Is to, to, to focus on a really narrow, uh, uh, not only you want to necessarily call it a problem, but a narrow focus, right? Which is just processing payments in the insurance vertical. Yeah. And they got some 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 backing, some money to do that. They hire a bunch of sales executives. They go on a blitz. I'll give you the category that they created it with a lot of state associations was... They went out to state associations, big eyes, PIAs, and said, we want to be your endorsed payments provider. And the state associations, who are fundraising organizations, said, we don't have a category for that. And ePay said, we'll write you a check if you just call us that. And they were like, cool. Yeah. And they did a great job with that. And they, they caused, uh, they, they basically kind of, in a way, created a, a niche industry, which is insurance payments. Yeah. Right. So, and a nonprofit corporation like the Big Eye or the PIA is perfectly happy to endorse anybody that writes them a big check if it's relevant to the insurance practice. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so it's brilliant strategy. It was great. It was really good, and, it, and and they did a great job in terms of scaling and growth and hiring, and they got their word out. So you know, for us trying to understand that um, and, and how to wear both hats was your original question. So the the concept there is that. Uh, we got really heavy into this payments dedication during the pandemic, where a lot of businesses had to digitize, right? A lot of a lot of businesses had to to go virtual and, and create a, a virtual platform or a digital platform. So um, that was the pandemic is when it happened for us. Yep. And at the time, we were handing off this payments only process to a third party company, and when you do that. Uh, you hand something off to a third-party company, you no longer own that experience, right? You lose control of the client experience. We didn't like that. And our customers didn't like it either. And they told us that. They said, hey, you guys have been doing business with us for 20 years. Why are you re-underwriting our agency? Yeah. Why why do you you have to re-know us again? You've known us for so long. And so as a result, because um, our ownership group and our leadership said, we, we're, you know, we're in the business of, of making things easier for agents and solving problems. We're going to spin up our own payment facilitation company. Makes sense. And that's what we did. We basically took that that handoff, which was clunky, yeah. and brought it in-house. No. And then I think what we've done is figured out over the last year or so um, where to flex our muscles with that dedicated, again, back to what that ePay policy note was, which was that specific spot of processing payments insure inside the insurance related industry yeah. right because you have you have all kinds of technologies that just generic process payments yeah but they may not be insurance specific they may not be auto body specific uh, you know all the different yeah. in- industries uh, so it's been fun to, to spend dedicated effort and in- energy solving those problems that are just payment problems yeah but knowing that what we carry with it is something that the payment companies don't, which is 40 plus years of underwriting experience on premium finance, yeah. which is not a daily transaction necessarily, no. but you only need it when you need it. But when you need it, you, need it, you bad. need it bad. You need it bad. So Freedom Jumper, a little bit of history real quick, just to catch you up from, from where I'm coming from in this whole process. 
when I was a farmer's agent, this wasn't relevant, obviously, because I mean, farmer's agents just don't interact with this part of the insurance industry. And when I opened Riskwell, uh, we needed a premium financing solution. In, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's a company called Heritage Premium Financing, and they are an authorized vendor, a, a partner with IPFS. Mm-hmm. I never worked directly with IPFS. I worked with Heritage. And, you know, for a few years, we, we did the Heritage thing. And then through Ryan Hanley, I was introduced to a company called Ascent, which is a brand new to the scene as of a year ago. I mean, brand, brand new. You know, they they come in and as a young upstart company, what do you do when you're trying to compete with a 40 year, very well entrenched incumbent who you know, has just an absolutely dominant market presence? They made a splash and 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 did some things that were new and innovative. And I was never working directly with IPFS and I left that that ecosystem. Heritage did some stuff with other financing companies like First Insurance Funding, which also has some good market prices, but they're not nearly as big as IPFS is. You know, I left Heritage and went over to Ascend. And, you know, it's this is where I have to lean in to the potentially uh, contentious or awkward thing of having Davey on the show is there's there's been a lot of friendly smack talk back and forth about oh, which is better. Is it Ascend or IPFS? And I'm sitting here going, wow, the two could not be more different. I mean, Ascend just completed a $30 million series of funding, and they're trying very hard to find their place in the market. Meanwhile, IPFS, as the dominant market presence, has a totally different approach. It, it is, it's, I'm not saying defensive in a negative context, but as the dominant market player, obviously you're going to approach the conversation differently when you've got a young upstart that's innovating and challenging you guys as the dominant player. I'd love to get your take on this as as the market leader in a segment. How do you guys approach, and it's not just a send. I'm not asking you to comment on somebody because you probably don't want to do that for a variety of reasons, but just philosophically, how does how does how do you as a professional, how does IPFS as the dominant market presence, how do you learn from? How do you innovate from somebody like an ascend that's really pushing the envelope in a variety of ways and and find your own way to double down on your advantages? Yeah, look, I, I, there's a there's a lot to unpack there. I'll try to I'll try to go. That's piece an open ended question. Make it whatever um, you want. You know, I'll say I don't. You know, you, you mentioned contentiousness, and I think you certainly had some back and forth with David. And and you know, I think I think anybody that feels passionately about what they do, those things tend to tend to come up, and yep. and, and that's what you 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 know you guys experience. And and, and look, that that is what it is. What I'll say is. Uh, you know, I guess, l- let me clarify, is the question, how do we approach how do disruptors? You guys, what, yeah, what's the question? Wh- when you have a, a, a well-funded, you know, energetic, you know, enthusiastic competitor, how, one, how do you approach that as the dominant market presence? Where yeah. you guys, I mean, you guys are the 800-pound gorilla. Yeah. In order for Ascend to do anything, in order for ePay or anybody else to do anything in this space, they really have to contend with the reality of IPFS being a dominant market player. So yeah. you know, how do you respond as that dominant presence and grow from it and innovate from there, but also you know, slap down the young upstart right. and be like, hey, kid, stay in your lane? Yeah, and, and and I'll yeah, absolutely. And and look, you 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 also made a comment there too, where hey, you may not want to talk about it. I, I don't mind talking about competition because um, I, I think I any time I've ever talked about competition, I was 
I was transparent about it. I was honest yeah. about it. And, and I don't think I've, I've, I, I've never, ever gotten business or protected business that we've had by, you know, saying just negative things about a person that worked for another company or, yep. or um, you know, a company itself. Um, but I also I don't shy away from talking about the differences between our company and our competitors either. Yep. And and that's where I don't I don't mind talking about the differences between IPFS and Ascend First Insurance Funding, AFCO, Bank Direct. I, I just I, I don't mind it because I know I'm going to talk about it with respect uh, because those are all good companies in their own right and they have really good people and they're working really hard to advance their businesses. Um, so how I approach, you know, let, let's just use a generic term first, uh, market disruptor. Um, I think this is a identity crisis concept in the entire insurance industry as a whole, because there is so much desire to innovate a tired industry. Yeah. And so when you have people that come onto the scene and say, hey, we can change this industry. Come look at us in any capacity, premium finance, payments, carriers, aggregators, MGAs, digital, anything. Yep. The folks that are on the tip of the tip of the spear in terms of changing the industry, which I'm going to give you credit, James, you're on that. You're on the tip of that spear. You're you're regularly mentioned by other agents that you're helpful, not only with this podcast, with your personal time. So when the, when an, when an, when an entity and I give you props for that when an entity comes on and says specifically folks like you we want to aid what you're doing which is trying to make the industry better yep everybody listens and so to that generic um, industry disruptor I think it's important that everybody listen uh, competitors clients everything and and we have learned a lot from. Um, from Ascend in terms of their marketing efforts and things like that. So um, it, it, it's always, I, I, you said it at the top, at the beginning, competition is good. I, I totally agree. And, and my knowledge of what a competitor is doing and how I may talk about them is, is actually a sign of respect yep. because I research them. And I find out what their nuances is and what their strengths and their weaknesses are. Yep. And I hope that my competitors, when they see that I find those things out, and I may talk about them in an individual private meeting with a client, with a customer, or in this forum, is a sign of respect. So I hope they see that. But, you know, the only thing I would say, you know, specifically about the Ascend model versus ours is back to what I, you know, what I was saying earlier, which is there are differences, yep. right? And the differences between IPFS and Ascend are in just in the basic organization and structure of the company. Um, Ascend is a is a very interesting um, technology front for a couple other solutions, and I think what that turns into potentially is a good experience for agents, right? In terms of a flow, but also, um, I think in in all situations when you pick a vendor. You need to know everything about their organization, how they're set up legally, how they're set up from a licensing perspective, and how um, how they represent themselves. And and so those are the things that I think are important when folks are evaluating not just IPFS or Ascend or First Insurance Funding or AFCO Premium Finance or anything like that. I think it's important that 
people ask those questions anytime they evaluate. Yep. Uh, you know, bring somebody into their tech stack as a carrier, as a vendor. You got to understand how the company is set up, and that that that's what I think is the biggest difference between uh, what you might call traditional premium finance companies in Ascend. Yeah, is how it's set up. Yeah, you know, I've, I find it very interesting when uh, when David and I have conversations uh, about this topic right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Carruthers, I should say. Um, you know, David is my older brother in the industry. I, I have a, a great deal of, of affection and admiration for him. Um, and when he and I have this conversation, uh, it's it, one of the only times in our entire three-year relationship where I have just outright disagreed with him. Uh, and, and the points that he makes are, are totally valid points. I think it's very interesting because I've taken those exact points and, and as a member of the advisory board and, and as someone who regularly communicates with the C-suite at Ascend, it is, you know, I went to them very early in our relationship as a, a shareholder and whatnot and said, hey, my good friend, David Carruthers, brings up these two points that he has against you. Uh, and the two are that they are backed by Honor Capital uh, as their, their, their backing. The actual, you know, financier, so to speak, is not in-house, which David sees as a big liability. And I went to them and said, hey, what are we doing about this? You know, what's the plan for getting everything in-house? IPFS is, is beating you guys over the head with this. And the answer was, we don't think it's a problem right now. And it, we'll, we'll deal with that down the road. And they gave some valid explanations for why Honor Capital is a good partner for now. And I, I accept that at face value because I'm not in the C-suite in Ascend, and I know my place as an advisor. And the second is that they're using Stripe as their payment processing partner. And Stripe is a very, very large company, of course, but they don't have the actual processing function in-house. And again, I brought that up, and Ascend gave what I consider to be acceptable answers for, hey, we're working on other areas of user experience, that are we consider to be more important than Stripe and Honor Capital. Now, for you being a national sales leader for IPFS, of course, if you go head to head with them on someone who cares about such things, your immediate response is IPFS has both of those functions in-house. We control the entire ecosystem from start to finish. So I, I find it very interesting the the pros and cons. You know, from a from a user experience, from a, a clickability perspective, if you will, Ascend has some advantages. But for a well-established agency who cares a lot about the financier, about the backing of the company, about as you said, how they're structured and whatnot, it really comes back to what your priorities are, what your your preferences are in making a vendor selection as, as to which one's going to be better. They, you know, both IPFS and Ascend and other players like ePay and whatnot have pretty clear pros and cons. It, it creates an interesting conundrum for retail agents as to, hey, which way do you preference? Which which priority are you going to choose? Because that will dictate which vendor you're more likely to find more desirable. Right. Yeah. And I think, look, for our, for our approach, just our own approach, notwithstanding competitors, the other thing that I didn't really share when I was talking about the history of IPFS is that we have always been the technology leader in the insurance premium finance space. We were the first to develop all of the basic elements that people think of as absolute 
uh, must-haves today, which is like things like online quoting and interacting with mobile apps yep. and doing things digitally. We were always that company. And, uh, you know, I think the other thing, too, is like any of these front-end technology companies that um, represent, a, you know, I call it an aggregator or a front-end or a portal or whatever, in our space – all the things that are done that could potentially be done by a technology disruptor in our space today, while we may not have the mirror to mirror exact code or APIs that a competitor does, we will. And the thing that we'll have that our competitors won't have is our experience. And the experience part in terms of just the core premium finance experience. And I'm talking about really deep levels of underwriting exposures on loans and knowing how to navigate premium finance regulatory environment and knowing how to know when to bend the rules on behalf of the agency and when to work deals on behalf of the client. Those are the things that that we have that will never go away. Yep. And so that's our approach is to say. We're certainly always have our ear to the ground to find out what the next piece of emerging technology is. And not just because we want to develop new technology. We hear this feedback from our agent partners in terms of what their challenges are in the field. And so any of the things that are front end technology, we'll get those too. And we'll pair that with something that we have, which is not replicatable. You can't use a technology suite to build our experience. You can't use a technology suite to build our knowledge. You can't use a technology suite to build our people, our account executives that interact with agents on a daily basis, our sales executives that go out and not just train on technology, but train agents on how to effectively leverage premium finance as a sales solution in the agency. That is, that's our approach. To go back to your question, how do you deal with folks that might disrupt the market? Yep. We, we listen, we respect them, and we do exactly what we've done for 40 plus years, which is adapt and adapt quickly, yep. and then reset ourselves. Even in a small space, which might be marketing or technology, we reset ourselves as the industry. You know, we are at the point of this episode where I think there's been enough really good information in the interest of everyone's time and listening to this as you're driving in your car or sitting in your home office somewhere or maybe even at your desk at your office, I think this is a great stopping point. And now let me just say in summary, uh, first off, Davey Holt, thank you very much for your time and spending yeah. you know, this ride back to Nashville. Uh, this is definitely a one-of-a-kind recording experience, that's for sure. <laughs> With the background Man. noise, the karaoke, oh my gosh. the drinks popping People open. People are just bourbon and coke from, <laughs> from the front to the back of the bus. We went on a bourbon tour. Oh, and we've, been, we've been on this bus. It's now, uh, what, almost 4 o'clock. We've been on this bus since 6.30. No. <laughs> the only thing that I would say to the Freedom Jumper out there, first off, Man, Davey Holt, what an asset for the insurance industry, for the independent channel in our industry. And for those of you that haven't already uh, picked a vendor that you're really happy with, I say demo both of them. Demo IPFS, demo Ascent, demo ePay, and you know, simply use your payments if you want to. You know, in my personal opinion, it's basically a two-horse race. You've got IPFS and you've got Ascend, and one or the other is probably a great fit for you. For me personally, I picked Ascend. Uh, as, about a year ago, but 
that doesn't mean that I don't see the value of IPFS, that I don't respect the way that they approach the business. And, you know, the beauty of this game that we're playing is there's so much business to go around. So I just encourage all of you freedom jumpers, take a look at both options and see which one you like best. Uh, but for me, I am just incredibly grateful that our industry, as people like Davey Holt, uh, has you know his team at IPFS because we really are better together. It's not just some you know cheesy slogan. It is a simple fact that both of these companies pushing each other to be better in the marketplace. You as the retail agent win, and your insureds win too. And that's probably a great place for us to end uh, this episode. Dave, any last thoughts? Anything you want to say? No, man. I I, I echo those sentiments. I think um, you know to anybody listening. Um, I think, uh, grace and, and, and karma and all those things that you put out there in the world, I think they do come back in our industry. And that's the thing that I think I don't want anybody listening or evaluating, uh, you know, to think about is, you know, from just my specific personal approach. And I do represent our company is that we do want to make our, this industry better and, uh, sometimes that that comes uh, at the cost of things like market share technology. So, it, it, you know, premium finance is a weird business. It's it's a weird niche little business. And so, you know, anybody that just has questions about how it works or why it happens or, or how does premium finance work or when should I use it? Some of those basic questions that are not a sales pitch, they should feel comfortable to reach out to me and just, just talk. Yep. And, because we know that, uh, premium finance makes uh, agents sell more policies and, and cleaner, yep. regardless of what technology platform they use. So uh, as I close, I just I just leave it with, you know, trying to, to, to put some good karma out in the world to say, look, um, as I said earlier, we all that are insurance professionals, licensed, non-licensed vendors, carriers, whatever, we all have an obligation to try to make this industry better. Yep. And that is what I do when I show up to these events, these conferences or meetings is to try to say, hey, look, as an insurance industry, we kind of have a target on our back. You know, it's like car salesmen, lawyers, insurance industry. Yep. So let's let's all try to lift all boats rise together. Um, let's all try to lift each other up in that sense. And, and, and uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. But, James, I, uh, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on. Um you know, uh, it's it's uh, like I said, I, I, I'll double down on those compliments to you. I, I regularly get uh, feedback from agents that I know that say you're a help to what their business is. Um, and I, I have immense respect for you for that. So thanks, uh, man. Yeah, no, it's it's real. It's, and and uh, no, that's where I, that's where I leave it. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we're all moving in the same direction, maybe definitely. with different strategies. Um, but yeah, no, appreciate the time. Awesome. And that is a great place for us to end here. Uh, Freedom Jumper, I appreciate you as always. It is a, a huge privilege and honestly just a heck of a lot of fun uh, to be able to do this podcast and, and to interact with so many of you. Uh, we definitely welcome your feedback. If there's anything you want to add to this conversation, uh, I'll make sure that Davey's information is in the show notes uh, so you can reach out to Davey Holt or his team or IPFS and schedule your demo there. Uh, if you ever wondered if I'm biased in any one particular way, uh, let this episode serve as notice that I hold all of my cards open for everyone to see. And regardless of what I personally choose, I, you know, it, it's like any one of these contentious things in the political spectrum or social issues or whatnot. 
You know, I'm kind of a libertarian in that regard. Take my personal beliefs aside. I think everybody should be free to live their life how they choose without interference. So I will always support choice uh, in the industry. And I, I just think it's a great way to end this episode. So uh, that is it from, I don't know where we are, somewhere in the great state of Kentucky. I think we're the, still in Kentucky. Yeah, somewhere we're in the not Commonwealth. Tennessee yet. The Commonwealth, not the state. Sorry for those of you in Kentucky that just got offended. <laughs> Let me correct myself. The Commonwealth of Kentucky. Uh, that is uh, this episode of Agency Freedom Podcast signing off. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We will talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Are you looking for an insurance community to join? Have you heard of the LAAIA? The Latin American Association for Insurance Agents is just not for Latins. Their focus on diversity and inclusion over the last few years has made this 54-year-old association one of the fastest growing and the most dynamic associations in the industry. With established chapters in Florida, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Denver, it's no surprise this association has the attention of everyone in this industry. Their upcoming national convention on beautiful Marco Island includes keynote speaker Trisha Griffith, the CEO of Progressive. National leaders from around the country like Marshberry, Vertifor, Lula, and more will be here on center stage as well. And whether you're an independent agent, a captive agent, life or health agency, or even a financial services professional, this association offers you everything you need to network and grow your business. Make sure you check them out and consider joining me, Jason Cass, at the next upcoming convention. It's going to be August 21st, the 24th, at the JW Marriott on stunning Marco Island. This has been Cass Approved.